It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, there were plenty of huge moments uh, in my next guest's career. Uh, it's fair to say he's one of the absolute legends of Australian and world cricket, a man who rewrote the rule book and the style guide for the role of wicketkeeper batsman. And when it came to being a clean striker of the ball, uh, there are only really a few who I reckon could match him. And if you want to disappear down a rabbit hole for a few hours on YouTube, punch this man's name into your search and uh, away you go. I know that I've certainly done that. Uh, it's a great way to spend a few hours, though, especially if you are uh, a cricket tragic. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Adam Gilly Gilchrist. How are you? Hey, Tim. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Very good. Don't don't you, search Tim, for my Gangnam style dancing on YouTube. Oh, really? Oh, it's, Funnily uh, enough, it's not... I did not put all those yeah. words together yeah. in the one search, but <laughs> you know now that I will. <laughs> <laughs> not my proudest moment and the one that uh, my kids continue to rib me about. But um, yeah. anyway, it okay. was celebrating my only wicket in competitive cricket. Yeah, right. So, um, well, bowling yes. is, is something we haven't seen you do much yeah. of. But I must say, in my... YouTube rabbit hole adventures. I did come across a clip where you did send a few deliveries down to Glenn McGrath in a oh. recent promotional video that you did. Yeah. And you can roll the arm over a bit, can't you? Well, where I actually reckon I really um, hit a groove there was when I got on the ball machine. Oh, yeah. And just while McGrath was... wasn't looking, I cranked it up to about 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And, uh, that was the end of it. Sent one through. Yeah, that was the yeah. end of the net session. McGrath spat it. <laughs> Came yeah. out hurling it was abuse. A quick Faster than he ever was. Absolutely. Twice yeah. as quick as McGrath. <laughs> <It was> rubbish. <laughs> Um, as you look back on your career, though, it's funny, you know, I don't know if you have ever YouTubed yourself, though. It, it obviously brings up your highlights in an order that the fans will have appreciated right. in searching for you. But the highlights for you, uh, I'm wondering if they match um, up with the highlights as dictated by, you know, your fans on on the internet. Not, I mean, you're, I'll say your you're 57 ball ton at the Wacker yeah. is, is right up there. Yep. Your final uh, um, one day innings is right up there. Yeah, I think um, I understand why, say, a, the Wacker 100 would be a fan favourite. Mm. It was, um, yeah, it was exciting and entertaining and all, all happened very quickly, didn't it? But uh, And it's probably one of the most asked about innings of my career. Yeah. It's probably the one that people most often bring up. But, mm. but no, my highlights don't quite match the, the ones on, on the YouTube sort of feature list. Um, mm. 49 in the second innings in Chennai in 2004. <laughs> I don't think you'll find highlights of that on YouTube. But no. uh, it was probably my favourite innings. Is in, that right? Yeah. Why and, is that? Uh, just the, the, the situation we were in, the, 
the the uh, yeah the match scenario, what we we're trying to do. We're really on the back foot against when you're on the back foot against India in India, in India. it can be very challenging. So I was um, I was captain at the time, so I thought we needed to try to be really aggressive. We had a, given up a first innings deficit or lead and um, and we needed to try to make inroads into their lead as quickly as we can, I thought, just to mm. try to get some momentum back. So I slotted yeah. myself up to number three, a bit self-indulgently, but I thought if I, if, I'm, if I miss out by being aggressive, at least we've got our, our main bats, batting unit behind yeah. me to, to sort of shore it up. So, but, it, and it, again, it wasn't a huge innings, but it was 49 in pretty quick time and yeah. it got us back to parity. And fortunately, Damien Martin dug in then the next day with Jason Gillespie as a pretty good ally as mm. night watchman. And, um, and, and we, we went on, we drew the game at the last day, got washed out, but I re- just felt like it was a really nice momentum swing in that match and in that series and then allowed us to go on and, and achieve a series win for the first time in a long time in India. So yeah. uh, that one and, and it, you know, and a, and a hundred against Bangladesh and everyone says, oh, come on, mate, that's just cashing in. You know, everyone <laughs> fills their boots against Bangladesh, but it was in Bangladesh and it was probably, probably the most important hundred uh, that I scored for Australia in staving off a loss and turning it around into a victory. Because that would have been a headline. That would have been a reasonable headline <laughs> at the time. We hadn't been beaten by Bangladesh in Test cricket at that stage. So, yeah, you don't um, want to be amongst the, uh, yeah, the first. Yeah, that that's time. right. Yeah. Um, let's go back to your, your very early days. Uh, you are a New South Welshman, um, you know, by, by birth and, and yep. growing up there. Um, your early memories when you really started to fall in love with the game of cricket, what can yeah. you remember? Uh, youngest of four kids yep. uh, to parents that were both teachers, but they were very sporty and and dad played a great deal of cricket. He loved mm. his cricket and as did my older siblings. Even my, the eldest sibling, my sister, Jackie, played uh, men's cricket in regional New South Wales because there were no women's teams mm. around. So she just played B-grade men's in Deniliquin down in the Southern Riverina. Yep. So I was always around cricket. Uh, but my first m- clear memory of it was uh, Dad used to play for a team called Lake Albert in Wagga, Wagga Wagga, down in yep. Southern River, uh, Southern New South Wales, and going with him and just sort of being around the 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 men's game there and sort of watching them warm up or going in and sitting in the change rooms in the corner and you know listening to them and then when they'd all go out to play just ratting through their kit bags and and just picking up bats and hitting mm. the ball and looking at a, a at a, a protector or a box and going I wonder what that's for and, yeah. <laughs> um, so but all the and then know, finding out and, and yeah, still wondering what realizing it was in the wrong spot but uh, <laughs> um you know the sounds uh, the smells the the noises of cricket yeah. that's probably the lunches and, uh, yeah yeah all that and <laughs> sitting um, dad going out to bat, so the, other, the rest of the team would have to babysit me, <laughs> and yeah. that was never long. He was a wily old leg spinner, <laughs> but he, he didn't he didn't wield the willow too well. But uh, yeah, that that was all the first recollection. So that was yeah. uh, you know early primary school years, even yeah. even younger. Yeah. Uh, what about the heroes that you would have seen uh, on the yeah. sporting field at the time that you really looked up to? Pretty much, pretty much any of them on, that were on TV. I thought mm. that looked pretty abnormal where they looked sort of didn't look real mm. um so that late 70s sort of early 80s era but was going to be the fast i was going to be the fastest bowler in the world on the back of sort of <laughs> dennis Lilly. uh so that was in the background used to do that used to water the grass a little bit and then run in 
on the run up and try to get the foot marks, you know, in the run up like yeah. you see on TV. Have it's been worn <laughs> out over about a hundred overs, uh, but then went shopping in Shepparton, the town of Shepparton in northern yeah. Victoria. That was the big smoke from Deniliquin. Yeah, uh, we used to drive down there and saw a pair of green and white wicket keeping, keeping gloves. And, yeah, right. So how old would you have been then? Uh, that was when I was nine. Yeah. And I just fell in love with weird keeping there. Yeah, and right. So Rod Marsh became yeah. a bit of a magnet for me when I was watching cricket. I was just looking at him all the time and just fell in love with it then and mm. and just loved being involved in pretty much every ball of mm. every day's play when you're the wicket keeper, certainly when you're in the field. So, that yeah, they, they were all the heroes, yeah. really, just the guys on TV. And your, your junior days, you know, if you put your hand up for the wicketkeeper, it's, it's, I mean, it's a yeah. niche job, isn't it? Yeah. I, remember, yeah. I remember, you know, being in teams that age myself and, you know, you had those who reluctantly took it on yep. and those who were like, bugger off, gloves yeah, are mine, I want don't it. even think about it. Yeah. Were you that guy? Yeah, I was. Yeah, even though I had a tough start, my first game that I actually wicket kept, I was filling in for my older, one of my older brother's team and... The ball came in and hit the edge of the cement pitch. Was sitting about two or three inches higher than the grass. It yeah. hadn't been laid very well. Yeah, yeah, and it took a nasty deflection and cannon into my nose, broke my nose. <laughs> so, off to hospital overnight in hospital at that age was you know, yeah a bit challenging. And um, a nurse, a very very thoughtful nurse, let me know that Rod Marsh suffered the same injury the first time he ever wicket kept. So from that moment on, I thought that was yeah. that was destiny. Exactly. That's uh, where I was headed. And I actually met Rod Marsh. Uh, he was the head coach at the Creed Academy when I went there when I was um, first year out of school on a scholarship mm. and asked him about that and he said he'd never broken his nose ever. There you go. <laughs> so, so it was a very, very uh, well, well meaning. based on, um, on a lie. Well, on a lie, but yeah, go back to the nurse. I think well yeah. done to the nurse because that cheered me up no end being in hospital overnight yeah. thinking that I was off and running. Hey, we need to take a break, Gilly. After yep. that, we, we might fast forward to when you uh, were lured over here yeah. uh, to the West, <laughs> which was an interesting time. Let me tell you, we'll get into that in detail right if we take a break. Adam Gilchrist is our special guest on this episode of Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My guest in this episode, a man uh, with many accomplishments and accolades I could reel off, but uh, uh, the first player to hit 100 sixes in Test Match Cricket. That'll be right up there on your list of personal achievements, wouldn't it, Gilly? Yeah, three three World Cups to your name as well. Yeah, I think that when you reflect on the achievements, it's all the team stuff. So three World Cups in a row. Yeah. And the, and the second two undefeated. Uh, not sure that's going to be a match for a while, no. but it's a pretty significant group. And, and twice we won 16 Test Matches in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's going to be... you were captain through uh, some of through those Through a couple of them, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, that they were really, uh, I mean, amazing play group. Oh. That, that, that people say, oh, how... A freakishly you know, good group. How did yeah. you guys maintain it for so long? I think we had strong leadership, you know, from John Buchanan as coach and, and the, the leaders, the captains and the senior player. But we, we at the end of the day, we had six or seven Hall of Fame cricketers mm. in the one team yeah. consistently for the best part of 10 years. Yeah. That's not a bad nucleus to, to start with yeah. and then build around it with a few other guys that are pretty close to the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah. 
Let's go back now to your early days and when you first came over to Western Australia. Um, How were things? Obviously, you you know, you're playing cricket in New South Wales then, but looking for opportunities. One came up over here in the West. Can you talk us through how how all that played out? Yeah, made it into the New South Wales team, Mm. uh, sort of out of the Creed Academy, went to to Sydney and played my grade cricket and second 11 cricket. And then I got picked in the New South Wales team as a batsman uh, and Phil Emery was a wicketkeeper. Yep. Uh, and that's not a name a lot of people know, but if you if you look at Ian Healy's career, I think it was 117 test matches, only missed one test match, Heels, at about the halfway point of those tests. Yeah. And it was Phil Emery who they called on to replay or to fill in for him when he was injured. So, mm. so he was right up there, played a test match. Mm. And so I needed to look elsewhere. I wanted to wicketkeep. And I guess I looked over here, Tim Zura, a guy that I thought was a champion because just, as I say, he'd been on TV, he'd played for mm. Australia, he was a yeah. hero of mine. Yeah. Uh, and he was getting towards the end of his career. I yeah. didn't know how close, but I thought there might be an opportunity here. And WA did approach me and say, come and join the squad without any real certain promise of getting picked or anything. So I, I was happy to take that punt, just take a, a risk and come over. I, I guess I expected or hoped that I'd play a year of club cricket, second eleven cricket, train with under Tim. Should he retire at the end of that first year, maybe I'd be the the guy that they go to to, mm. to be the permanent spot mm. in the in the Shield team. Yep. Um, I got here and uh, they sacked him straight away. Or, yeah. Uh, and I put me in. Yeah. And yeah, much to the disappointment of the locals, very parochial crowd over here, it, I learned. It was. Yeah. I, I can. I remember being at, the. I think, at your first game for WA. Yeah. And when you walked out and people were yeah. chanting, Zura, Zura, Zura. Yeah, I got booed. Which was, all in hindsight. On. But you were kind of cast as this villain in many respects, weren't you? Yeah. Quite unfeely, yeah, of course. Like he, yeah. he was this lovable, rogue sort well, of character. Well, he's a crowd favourite, wasn't he? Yeah. He had so much character and yeah. he's, I mean, such a talent. Yeah, you know, and played good footy as well, and yeah. born and bred, and yeah, uh, and and I think too, a lot of the WA faithful who were his supporters felt he'd been um, cast aside oh, hard bit done by. easily yeah. at the Australian level. Exactly. So Hills yeah. used to cop it when he used to come here in Healy. Yeah. So um, for me to be turning up some unknown New South Welsh yeah. kid. Uh, I, I got it. I understood it. So yeah. I think that's... But what was that like, though, going uh, out and hearing this other guy's name being being chanted in this in, in this kind of act of hostility towards you? Yeah. I, I remember the second or third game being in the middle of the whacker and a little kid waving to me. I thought, oh, beautiful. I finally won one over. I turned around <laughs> as I waved back. He yelled out, Gilchrist, go home. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so I thought... But I... I think I, it, it helped inspire me just to work hard. And what I realised was don't – I'm not going to be Tim Zura. I'm not yeah. going to be a ready-made replacement for the fans, you know, the hero that they had there. But it it certainly inspired me to work hard to try to get my game to a level that justified being there and then just try to earn the mm. fan and, and my peers. The, the, in the change room and the squad, I wanted to earn their respect. So – I think that's the main thing. I didn't feel um, any animosity from them. I understand that sport. Yeah. And, yeah, I just had to, to try to prove that I belonged there. Yeah. And fortunately, it changed around pretty yeah. quick. I had great support from the Wacker. Yeah. Uh, it was an interesting year. I mean, that the Wacker just – part of, I think, what enhanced that whole attention and, and the microscope on it was that 
we were just renamed the Western Warriors rather mm. than the WA. You know, all this branding and new mm. marketing came out. Damien Martin became captain when, you know, Tom Moody might have been the obvious choice or Mike Valletta or even Bruce Reed, like one of the mm. older players because Jeff Marsh retired. Mm-hmm. So it was this real push for youth. Mm. And I did know Marto really well from under-19 cricket, but there was some uncertainty around whether that was the right move. So it was, um, yeah, it was a time turbulent time. Yeah, yeah. but, but I, I guess, yeah, as I say, yeah. I, I was well supported by the Wacker and then yeah. pretty quickly it turned around and I've nof- yeah. had nothing but great support from the Wacker crowd ever since. Making runs and taking catches uh, well, with the crowd over pretty, pretty quickly. That's the way, it's the only currency really you can do it. Yeah. Um, and, and that remains to in this day and age. Yeah. Don't worry about everything else. Just produce the goods and yeah. hopefully you'll be looked after. What about in terms of just general life here in Perth and in WA? How quickly yeah. did you take to it? Loved it. Loved it right from the moment Yeah, um, I got over here. I'd, I was um, in a relationship with my now wife, but we weren't married at the time, Mel. Yep. She was in Sydney. So that was a bit of a challenge. She was still studying in Sydney. But you know, between going over to New South Wales for Shield Games or in university holidays, Mel coming over here... Um, I just loved the lifestyle over here. Mm. I grew up regionally in New South yeah. Wales, so being a little bit smaller and slower than, say, Sydney or Melbourne, I I just loved it, and coastal. Um, so my only biggest challenge was when Mel finished her studies after having – I'd been here for two years. We then got married, yeah, and I sort of held my breath, hoping that she'd, yeah, she'd happily settle that. here. Yeah. Uh, and, and was she, that a tough sell? Or no, she, she loved was on board. what she saw whenever she visited. Yeah, but it was more for her career that yeah. she came in and just set up her own. She's a dietitian, so she yeah. managed to set up her own private practice and and flourished. And yeah, beautiful. so that was a very seamless transition. So away we were, and here we are, yeah. twenty seven years later. Mate, we're happy to call you one of our own now, well and truly. Um, the call up to the Australian side, we're sort of yep. fast tracking. I mean, it's, I can only imagine it's a, it's a magical moment in anyone's career mm. at that elite level. Uh, tell us how that unfolded. Was it a, a, a phone call, an email? How, how did that happen? Yeah, phone call in, in that, back in those of days. Course, yeah. um, <laughs> Sorry, and, <mate. laughs> <it's a while laughs> um, But I'd sort of been, you know, I, I'd been through, fortunately, I'd been right down the pathway through under 17. Yeah. Australian career under 19s and then Australia A, which was in and around at that stage, mm-hmm. mid 90s. Yep. So I was sort of being tracked along and, and managing, using all those stepping stones as as goals yep. and objectives to try to achieve. And, uh, but then you get in and around there and then you just, every time the phone rings, you're hoping that it's the call. Yeah. But Ian Healy was doing a great job. But, uh, and then, I was put on standby a number of times in test career. But as far as getting into the my f- very first call into an Australian side, it was the Australian team were in India in 1996. And I, w- I wasn't part of the squad. The, the one day, they played a one-off test and then the, they were playing some one days. Mm. Um, I was in the shower. Mel answered the phone and it was uh, the, the chairman of uh, – or the CEO of Cricket Australia at the time. Um, said, I need to speak to Adam. And she said, oh, well, he's in the shower. I'll call you back. And said, no, 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 go and get him. So <laughs> he's going to want to get it. <laughs> yeah, so quick, standing there in a towel, dripping, going, hello. And, yeah, heels had been injured. So they said, get on a plane. We need you get to India as quick as possible. Yeah. And um, it just, it's like your world sort of changes. It gets flipped upside down because you've got to get, I had to go to a doctor and get some jabs to be able to mm. then fly. You had to fly to Melbourne to get around. Mm 
here, there, and everywhere. But, um, but yeah, it just becomes a bit of a blur, really, because mm. you're doing interview after interview after interview, but trying to get pack a bag and, mm. and then the excitement. And, mm. You know, you barely Try not time to get overwhelmed think by that. about the game. Yeah, landed in um, Delhi at midnight. Uh, went to the hotel room. Was rooming with Steve War, who I'd barely met. Might have shaken hands with him once or twice, mm. uh, and then at six thirty a.m. we were up on the bus on the on the road to go to this ground in a place called Faridabad, which is about an hour and a half mm. drive out of Delhi. Uh, so that was all all a blur, but it yeah. was yeah, it's it's that magical yeah. sort of feeling of yeah, and you just reflect on all the sacrifices and all the people that have helped you get there and mm. have contributed to that journey. Yeah. And the, the presentation of the, the baggy grain well, that, also seems one of those moments yeah, too. Who, absolutely. Who, who, yeah. who put that on your head That's, for the first time? That then becomes so that the, the, the in, India trip was the one dayers. Mm. And I then very fortunately played the best part of two years of one day cricket while Ian Healy was in the test team. And, but, mm. and of course, it's the baggy green that you're in real pursuit of. Mm. So that came, um, it was almost deja vu. It happened at the Gabba. So I got booed all the way out onto the gap because Ian Healy had... Because they really wanted him to have a farewell a match. farewell yeah. test, no, yeah. You, you, you robbed him of that. Yeah, really? well, <laughs> I, I would have been happy for him. You know, there was no guarantee that uh, that I I was going to be the one that they would go to. But I remember leading into it and the debate was out there before the selection. I sort of thought, oh, he probably deserves it. Yeah, um, but, but, but it's tough, but, isn't it? It's a reminder yeah. of how brutal it can be. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I got called in there and received my cap from a bloke called Bill Brown, who yep. was a member of the 1948, yep. well, a member of a number of Australian, mm. very successful Australian test teams, but the Invincibles of yeah. 1948 is probably where they, that group's most remembered for, so yep. with Bradman and co. Uh, Bill was just the loveliest man. He's passed mm. away now, but mm. what a humble, lovely man. Yeah. Um, what did he yeah. say to you? Do you remember? No, just wear it with pride. Um, very ex- exclusive club, if you like, and and you know, acknowledge the hard work that every player that had ever received that cap had put in. And he assumed I didn't know Bill prior to that, but he assumed that I was probably no different and working hard. But just to really, just to really enjoy it, but just try to just play for the team at yep. all all times. That was his main focus, and and we had um, a very an amazing experience in the next test, in the second test down in Hobart, where we had four of those invincibles with mm. us for the whole test match at the test match dinner, uh, and they just hung with us all game. And it was just really, really nice to have that that um, generations prior passing on their knowledge and their humility. Mm. They just, Bill, I just remember Bill and Arthur Morris just going. You guys are so good now. You're so much more athletic than us. You know, it was really like that whole. Yeah. And that's not saying that's just an ego boost. It's nice to know that they're not going the other way, saying, oh, you weren't as good as us. And, yeah. and, and I've tried to always keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, I think that's a nice nice sort of legacy to leave behind that yeah. things do improve, things change, yeah. and mm. it's nice to acknowledge it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we better acknowledge our sponsors as we take yeah. a quick break. Uh, Adam Gilchrist is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. Uh, we'll get into your test career right after we take a break. Back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Everything. 
inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Adam Gilchrist. Uh, Gilly, we've probably not got enough time to reflect on all of your, um, you know, your milestone innings. You mentioned a couple of them already, and I'd be a surprise to many to hear you say 49 <laughs> um, in India was uh, perhaps one of your most rewarding innings. Um, but in terms of the, you know, the, the, the centuries and those sort of crunch moments, um, are there any others that kind of stand out for you, you know, where you just felt like you were just seeing the ball like a football or, you, you know, you were just at your absolute peak of your powers? I think in... Well, I guess in the two different formats, although I probably, you kind of treated them, probably, yeah, probably you blended yeah. them in together yeah. uh, the same way. Um, I think <laughs> there's probably the the test match scenario. Yeah, uh, probably the second second test where I got my first hundred. Yeah. Uh, I mean that y- you you want to get to a level. Yeah. And then once you're there and you taste it, that's when you want to cement yeah. your spot and prove that you should be there yeah. and start contributing, Yeah, you know, really contributing to test match wins. And for those, you know, I mean, look, there are millions of cricket fans around the world who just yeah. are tragics for the game, who can only ever imagine what it's like to score a ton, to raise the bat, yeah. you know, in front of a, a cheering crowd. If, if you can try to put that into words, like, what is that feeling like? I mean, what's going through you? What's going through your mind? I think again, uh, it's about the team. Like I, I just think the overwhelming uh, part of what I loved, my memories of of, of scoring a hundred, mm. the very first uh, memory or the thing that pops into your mind is just to want to sort of look to your team. Mm. And I know when I'm in the change rooms and someone scores a hundred, mm. it's just such a, a a strong um, feeling of unity within a change room to be mm. out there clapping and, you know, and, and cheering and sharing in that moment. So when you're the one out in the middle, um, and, and of course, if it's contributing to the team's situation, which generally if you're scoring 100, is probably a, a mm. pretty you, you, more often than not a positive situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this that sharing in that moment and acknowledgement. Yeah. To each other, and then, of course, whether you've got family or friends there, but and, and then and then on top of all that is the added bonus if, if there's a crowd there, and and the fact that again, it's not uh, not just the the them cheering you; it's it's sharing that moment mm. in in its entirety because you know if they're cheering you, that probably means that they're going for your team, and you're helping them have mm. a better experience too. Mm. So if that all makes sense, it, um, yeah, it's a, it's it's really just sharing that um, whole experience that you're all trying to achieve or hoping to see a mm. certain direction mm. of a game or a result, and mm. you're a part of that and you've contributed to it. So yeah. it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's everything that you would think it is and yeah. how you think it would feel if you're you, mm. you're having that moment in front of a big audience. Is it like a drug? You just want it again and again. Yeah, it's it's certainly enough to keep you hungry. Yeah, uh, and but whether it's the hundred, you know, cricket is such a game of stat- statistics. But and we've always laugh about this in change rooms. What's the difference between ninety nine and a hundred? Yeah, it's yeah. one run, but it's yeah. it's a stat on your record that is indelibly marked forever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, if you're a batsman that scored, 
you know, if, if Donald Bradman scored 29 99s yeah. and never got past that, yeah, is he would, great? We, we wouldn't we, be talking about exactly, him. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, but he averaged 99. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's – but I think just the feeling of contribution yeah. and then that, you know, to sit down in – that's what I love about cricket and being a team sport. I love team sport because you sit down, whatever the sport is, you plan – you know, you do your analysis and then you plan and then you go out and try to execute those plans and hopefully mm. achieve something, mm. you know, as a combined unit. That's the most fulfilling mm. achievement. Yeah. So then you celebrate together. Yeah. And equally, if it doesn't go well, you've got teammates to commiserate with and to yeah. work, learn from. Yeah. And that, that, that's probably the, the drug analogy. That's the, mm. the, um, the, you know, tasting something and just wanting more and more and more yeah. of it. Well, you certainly had your fair share as a team yeah, uh, of very success. Um, and it seemed like you, you were able to celebrate <laughs> a yeah, lot. We did. <laughs> and, and, uh, tell me about, I mean, people love hearing the stories, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> you guys, when you're, you know, having those celebratory moments on, yeah. on tour. I mean, I know you do a lot of public speaking and that sort of stuff, and people love hearing these cricket tales and reading books, you know, with yeah. all those cricket tales in them, you know, whether they're entirely true or not. Yeah, that's right. Them. They get better I, and better with age. What are your kind of, what are your go-to stories that, that people oh. just love hearing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Everyone wants to hear about Warney, but um, <laughs> but there's not much we haven't heard or read about Warney. But yeah. uh, again, that my favourite recollections or, or memories are around the team, the team dynamic and the, in the celebrations, we went through a, a period, as you say, we we do the team song after a test win. Yeah. yeah. So you're always in the change rooms. And then in amongst one of those runs of 16 test wins in a row, I think it was Ricky Ponting was the sort of custodian as the song master. And at the MCG, we beat the West Indies there in a test, uh, the Boxing Day test. And, and Ricky said, right, we're going to do something different today. Like, We'd been in the change rooms for quite a few hours. So we're not going to do the song in the change rooms. We're going to do it somewhere. I'm going to take it on the road. Mm. All right, okay, where are we going to go? So we went to the top of the Great Southern Stand. Mm. So it was empty. The whole ground mm. had been cleaned out by that stage. And it was just the the 12 players, so the 11 plus 12th man and the, and the coaching staff. And right at the top of the Great Southern Stand, take a couple of beers up there and get, and then typically whoever's in charge of the song, in this case, Ricky would just go around and say a few words about maybe the man of the match or whatever he wanted to do. Mm. And then bang, you just rip into this song. And that mm. was spine tingling, the mm. echoing around the great MCG cauldron. And so that was really cool. So then from the, after that game on, it seemed we had to get a new spot every time, get more and more funky <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. And we ended up about 12 months later in, um, winning a test in Cape Town against South Africa. And we're in the change rooms, big celebrations. It got to about midnight and we decide we're going to take the team song up to top of Table Mountain, yeah, which right. the, the lift had been shut. The cable car had been shut for about two hours, yeah. but somehow we got a hold of someone that had the keys. Really? And up we go, up. Top they would have hated letting you up there too, wouldn't they? Oh, they, the locals. they, they didn't been... mind it. They, they did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, up the top we went and standing on the edge of this mountain, well, with a barrier there, but looking out all over Cape Town, which is beautiful. Amazing. City. But to be there and screaming out this song with so much passion and pride yeah. with your best mates, that was pretty unique feeling. So, I, yeah, I there's, there's been some really good, yeah. good fun celebrations. Um, just before we move on to your um, post professional playing days, if I could just pepper you with a, a few quick fire questions. Yep, yep. 
Um, the bowler that you love to smash over the fence the most, or was there one bowler that you just took particular delight in sending, you know, 10 rows back? <laughs> well, the name that comes to mind is Daniel Vittori, left arm yeah. orthodox or left arm finger spinner from, uh, from New Zealand. One of the great blokes. Yeah. Love him. But, and his name comes to mind because he's the guy that I hit most of my sixes off. So I think yeah. I hit him for 17 sixes. So uh, I just, uh, yeah, right. I just didn't mind his shape and his left arm just spinning into me. If I ever got in trouble, I could just swing across the line and hit with the spin. So, yep. um, there was nothing personal there. It wasn't like this aggressive streak you just lined against up him. Beautifully. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> he was a very good bowler, but yeah, I got a hold of him, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Toughest bowler you faced? Murley. Yeah. Yeah. Muriel Duran from Sri Lanka. I just couldn't, mm. couldn't pick him. Um, I had no idea yeah. which way the ball was going to spin. No. And, and, of course, you you would have been there for that period of time when he was called. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Uh, well, I don't want to say a chucker, but yep. his, his action deemed uh, illegitimate. Yep. Um, your thoughts on that at the yeah, time? Yeah, well, that got me in a bit of bit yeah. trouble, actually. And, yeah, you were kind uh, of on the Daryl Hare side of things, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was at a Carlton football club lunch of yeah. all places. Yeah. Uh, Early 2000, might have been 2002, I reckon, June 2002. And uh, and John Elliott was the president then. And yep. I was there as a guest and, and then off the cuff, he said, oh, Gilly, would you mind come up and answer a few questions at the lunch? And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's chatting about, oh, did you play footy? And what was your love of Carlton from? And blah, blah, you know. And then last question, he said, oh, and Murley, is, is he a chucker? <sighs> and I sort of looked around the room. There's 200 people at a private function. And I thought, mm. oh. So I foolishly so I said, oh, yeah, yeah, probably. If you look at the <laughs> rules and read them, interpret them, I, I yeah. think he's probably out. So I, anyway, there was a journo there, wasn't there? Of course there was. Lit up. So that got me a, a hearing, bringing the game into disrepute from yeah. Australia. Um, but You did have a you know, few people who, who Yeah, there's you, a few though, people. And, and mm. whatever the case, I best the big story out of that is um, Murley was just doing what he was doing. So whether mm. others lobbied to have rules change and it, it was I mean the rules were changed about the mm. 15 degrees and you know because it was always deemed that the yarn couldn't straighten at mm. all have any bend in it but mm-hmm. of course um, it all changed Murley went on to become the most successful bowler in history mm. whether you think it was right or wrong he was very skilled highly skilled and he had me guessing I could not pick mm. which way it was spinning so mm. sometimes I got a hold of him more through um not luck, uh, maybe a little bit of a match plan, but if he got, he, he generally got me very early. Yeah. Um, the team that you love to beat the most? The most satisfying victory was winning in India in 2004. Mm. Yeah. Australian team had been trying that for 35 years yeah. without success. So yeah. that was, I think that was the, the absolute peak for that group yeah. of players. Yeah. Best player that you played alongside? Shane Warne. Yeah. Best all-round cricketer. Mm. Closely followed by Ricky Ponting. Uh, there's a you know a list yeah, of mile long. Yeah, but, but I think list. <laughs> for Warney, for for, for all round cricketer. I mean, he's the best ever at, at leg spin. At yeah. what he did, he was a more than capable batsman. His numbers should have been a bit higher if he probably trusted himself a bit more there. Yeah. Uh, fielder, hundred odd catches. Yeah. Tactical nous. Yeah. And then on top of all that, yeah. the fame and the Hollywood <laughs> nature and name. Just all of it. Um, yeah, yeah, he was so much fun to yeah. play, beating around. And last question before we go to another break. Yep. Um, your decision to walk when you felt like you'd been dismissed. Yeah. Um, 
you went out on a limb there, didn't you? Because you know a lot of people didn't agree with you. Yeah. Um, some of your own teammates. Yep. Didn't agree with you. In in hindsight, is that that's who you were as a person? You were you were true to who you were. No regrets about that. I, I think the way you play the game probably reflects your certainly your your upbringing and your personality. Yeah. And and the outside influences that you've had in in that journey to get to that point, uh, and, and more so probably at. at at cricket at every level, not just at mm. test level. I think even in club cricket, you, you see it played out. That doesn't mean for a moment that, you know, and I had um, really strong values instilled in me from mum and dad, mm. and I'd never forget that, and I, you know, resort and refer back to them almost daily, I guess. But um, but that doesn't mean if you don't walk that I sit there and judge you that you don't have strong values or can't trust you or that mm. you're deceptive. Like, mm. Far from it. It is just such a an amazing little nuance of cricket that you can stand there knowing you've hit it, umpire gives you not out, and the opposition can lose it and go bananas, but then everyone just gets on with it and understands why you're standing there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're just waiting for the umpire's decision. That's all you're doing, isn't it, if you yeah. don't walk? Yeah. So I, I understand that. But it probably flowed more from there was some stuff going around the, around the game as the rules were evolving about – you know, close catches, if the ball had carried or not. Mm. And it was the introduction of third umpire mm. technology to try to, you know, the TV umpire and see if the camera picks it up. We as players are great whingers. We'll blame an umpire for a poor decision and blame a loss on an umpire over a poor decision. But if they gave a, a decision in your favour that saw you win, we would never go and say, oh, well done, mate, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Like, we, we, sort of, we loved yeah. it one-way traffic, but yeah, not the exactly. other. So I, I think somewhere in my mind, I was starting to think we, we as players could probably take a bit more ownership of this and maybe just el- eliminate just eliminate one area where an error mm. could have been made. Um, mm. Just just get on with it. and You know you hit it, just get off. But I wasn't on a campaign or a crusade. Because yeah, it was sort own. of painted as such, wasn't it? Well, because it came up in a World Cup semi-final, I think yeah. that had the microscope of the cricketing world on it, and it garnered a lot of opinion, garnered a lot of uh, eyeballs watching it, mm-hmm. and that probably ex- sort of magnified it more than other people have walked yeah. in history. Yep. We need to take another break. After that, we'll talk about uh, all the things you've been up to uh, okay. since you uh, you put the gloves down and the bat down. Uh, yep. Plenty to get through. This is Inspiring Stories with Gilly. Back with more in a minute. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of Adam Gilchrist. Uh, Gilly, when did you know it was time to finish up? When I dropped the catch in, at the Adelaide Oval off the bowling of Brett Lee. Yep. Uh, uh, it was a pretty easy catch. Watched the replay. They played replayed about 40 times <laughs> up on the big screen. Uh, but something told me. I just, I just realised in my mind I was just a fraction of a second behind where I needed just to be. Just lost your edge a little bit. And, yeah, it... it it, it wouldn't have been obvious to anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but that triggered realisation that at training, whilst I, I I wasn't wishing it away, I was happy to be at training, mm. but my mind was often towards the end thinking about either a sponsor's commitment or mm. a family. You know, yeah. If I had Mel and the kids on tour with me, going and doing something with Dan, and yeah. it just wasn't as sharp as what I needed to be. And as yeah. soon as I realised that, I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to try and ride this for another year or two. Yeah. 
that that's good enough for me. Yeah. And yet, I suppose even towards the, the back of your career, the, the sort of money that was being pumped into the game that prolonged a lot of people's yep. careers, didn't they? You know, stints yeah. in the IPL that went on yep. well beyond the end of people's, you know, uh, careers at the national setup. Um, was it tempting to drag it out for as well, long as it was? I mean, well, I did. You, you did a bit, but <laughs> I you know what I mean? like the, the, the money that suddenly became available yeah. was phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I'd committed to the very first IPL yeah. just before that realisation. Yeah. Uh, and it was a few weeks after that they had the first auction of the mm. IPL. So I thought look, I, I better honour that first year's commitment. And, and it was, I'm glad I did because mm. um, the IPL was phenomenal. What an amazing experience. All mm. these different nationalities. And we didn't know if it was going to be what you term Mickey Mouse cricket and mm. sort of almost hit and giggle. And mm. But as soon as we got there, we realised that is quality, yeah. a quality concept and tournament. And it's yep. just grown and grown and grown. But I, yep. I played the first six, six after I'd finished yeah. playing full international cricket. And it yeah. was magical. Really, yeah. really fulfilling yeah. experience. And yeah, there's, good money thrown around then. It, I mean, that was ridiculous money for the time then. And now it's even more mm. extraordinary, but, mm. uh, yeah, I didn't, I was never going to try and mm. drag the journey out. I'd yeah. turn my focus to a few other things outside yeah. of the game. Um, you seem to transition pretty seamlessly into a media role. Was that something that started to sort of take shape in your mind towards the end of your, your playing days that, Hey, this not, could be what I do. Yeah, not I really. No? no, I, I, I was sort of offered, afforded an opportunity to, to join that Channel 9, you know, that legendary commentary crew straight away if I wanted to. But I did one test match here at Perth straight in the first year out of the game. Mm. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was me at all. Uh, maybe it was too soon. Mm. Maybe it was in the commentary box with those guys that were just legends. You know, mm. Tony Gregg, Richie Benno, Bill Laurie. Um, that it was a bit daunting, but I said no thanks and I didn't get into it that section of my post-career career, uh, being broadcasting for about five years until Channel 10 picked up the Big Bash mm. and they did need to literally build a new team. So when I found out, excuse me, that that was going to be with Ricky Ponting, Mark War and Damien Fleming, who mm. were great mates, mm. I thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. Yeah. So that was fun. So that's where that was born from. So I was fortunate to have some really nice partnerships, relationships with sponsors and, and um, organisations that I that were initially as part of while I was playing, but they carried over into post-create life. So I had a nice soft landing. I didn't sort of jump off the, the freight mm. train that was cricket and be mm. left standing there watching everything fly by and going, what's yeah. next? So yeah. that was a nice transition. Who are the players now that you most love to watch and, and commentate? Uh, I love Rishabh Pant from in India. Yeah. <laughs> I see a style that he plays with. Yeah. Uh, I think I tried to carry out. Um, in the Australian setup, David Warner's always been fantastic to watch. Pat Cummins is an absolute superstar. I could watch him. Yeah. I've, I've never, I mean, fast bowlers running in has always been exciting, but I've probably always been drawn more to the batting side of it. Mm. Or, uh, but to watch him bowl is just so exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, through that IPL, any number of superstars, be they local Indians or all the big names that go there. A.B. Yeah. de Villiers was just so creative. Yeah. I know, too, you've, uh, you've turned your attention towards uh, charitable uh, roles as well. I know you've been involved with World Vision, yep. for instance. Uh, what, what drew you to that? Because I understand it's, it's a particular connection to India. To India. That's yeah. where that they, Which, they sort of 
inquire what I like to. Uh, well, we we always from growing up always had a sponsored child mm. through World Vision. That's from when I was little. I remember mum mm. and dad uh, being part of that program. But um, so they asked if I would take that on a, a role to to help support their work in India. Yeah. So that was fantastic. Going and visiting some of the programs, um, educational programs, and providing opportunities for. Um, young boys and girls to transition out of pretty much out of primary school into almost into um, industry really and, and doing it and being acknowledged and skilled up and, and paid for it, uh, earning potentially earning a living and giving them that opportunity to grow. But more locally here, I've been patron of Ronald McDonald House for 21 years. So yeah. that's the charity. I'm so many wonderful charitable organisations out there. Mm. Try to help out where you can, but that's the one that I've sort of aligned myself to and that's been yeah. a, a wonderful experience that yeah. You, yeah, you get more out of than what you probably chip in. I imagine you get a lot of invitations to be involved with all sorts of extremely yeah, worthy charities. Yeah. But you can't you can't you play know, a role with all of them, yeah. can you? Is it is it hard to yeah. sort of have to, you know, choose one over another? It is. And you, but you don't want to dilute the message. Mm of what they're trying to achieve. So mm. I've, I have said sort of, no, I, I, I can't do this because, because of time and you're trying to balance everything up, but I yep. want to make sure I can maintain my commitment to Ronald McDonald house and also allow whatever the other charity might be to get someone that can then concentrate mm. their time on that one to give it the best opportunity. Yeah. And just finally goals going forward. Are you, are you someone that makes long-term not plans really. and then and works not sure what i'm going to do when i grow up <laughs> <laughs> i'm still trying to work that out but yeah. um yeah we've got um kids you know range age range from 19 to 9 so we're yeah, we're sort of um, got a full yeah. book there but as they move more and more towards adulthood you know i'm yeah. not sure where, where i'll go but i love love the I, I think that's part of what's kept me inspired all the way through the journey going back to moving here the question you asked right at the start about coming to wa and what did the um the crowd sort of animosity do to you. And I, 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 it's just the fear of the, not the fear, it's the unknown mm. ahead. And I think that inspires you just to keep working, yeah. keep the eyes wide open and, and, Absolutely. and identify opportunities. Yeah. Gilly, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. And thank Pleasure, you for mate. providing us with uh, hours of cricket highlights to watch over and over uh, in the archives. Thank you so much. You've been listening Absolute to Inspiring pleasure. Stories here on 882 6PR uh, in this episode with the one and only Adam Gilchrist. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.